broadcasting from across the North American continent of the Terran Empire, bringing you our unpopular Star Trek opinions since 2020. This is Code 47. Back again, a new dawn over here on the Code 47 podcast. Uh, I am your humble servant, Trek Lord of West Michigan, uh, Charlie Carden, uh, captain slash president of the uh, Star Trek International Fan Club, the USS Grand Petoskey, based right here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And if you're watching the video tonight, you're seeing that I have a new cohort. There's a new guy sitting in the chair. He came with his own really well-decorated backdrop like I have. Uh, everybody, this is Peter Stein. Peter, say hello. Hey, everybody. As Charlie right. said, I am Peter Stein. Yes, Peter is also a member of the USS Grand Petoskey. And uh, the question to anyone listening to my voice, particularly if you live in Michigan, West Michigan, is why aren't you also a member of the Grand Petoskey? But we can talk about that another yeah, time. You can join with me and be crewman number six. Crewman number crewman number seven. Um, but <laughs> Peter, uh, Peter, you're you're new. We're we're kind of embarking on a new uh, a new format here over on code 47 peter's going to be on with me first of all we're going bi-weekly it's just a matter of life it seems to be crunching it out every week it just got to be really difficult and i don't want to give uh, the folks who listen to our show kind of a subpar experience so i wanted to uh, have a little bit little bit more oomph every time we do the show so it might result in some longer shows but hopefully in some better content uh, secondly peter is going to be with me for four episodes or basically two months uh, and then we're going to see the return of of katie quinn who has been with us over on on the Secret Friends Unite Prime show. Uh, she not only did two great episodes in a row, uh, encompassing the Eternals, and I can't remember what the first thing is we talked about, but she was great. She's a friend of mine from the cosplay community. Uh, but she's going to come on and talk a little bit about Star Trek The Next Generation Season 2. Uh, in the returning segment, which Peter very aptly named as... Peter, what did you name it? Um... It's been a long road. It's been a long road. So if you haven't watched Enterprise, uh, pay attention. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, so that, that's the way that's going to be. And Katie's going to be on with me for, again, four episodes. And then we'll we'll segue back and forth. So uh, Peter, myself, and Katie will be the kind of non, in some cases, non-interacting uh, hub while I just kind of keep the balls juggling, keep the three-ring circus going. But uh, without further ado, Peter, tell us about your Star Trek background, please. Well, um I have been a Star Trek fan as long as I can remember. I uh, grew up on The Next Generation. Uh, technically, I grew up on the reruns. wasn't <laughs> conscious enough to actually notice when TNG was running. Um, but grew up on TNG reruns and the original movies. Uh, didn't actually start watching many of the other series until I got to college because we just didn't have access to them. Mm -hmm. um, but started watching Deep Space Nine. Loved it. Uh, eventually got into Enterprise and Voyager. Uh, I was actually one of those dweebs that when Enterprise came out was like, ah, uh, the timeline's all messed up. And then I no, watched no. it. No, like, <laughs> Then I watched it. And then I watched it. And I was like, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> it's fine. So, you know what, Peter, if there were only more people out there that, that would covet that opinion, there'd be a lot less strife in fandom. It's fine. You know yes. what? Mandalorian and baby Yoda. It's fine. Clone Wars. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, uh, Star Wars holiday special. It's okay. We're not. We're not going there. We're not going there. Ah, uh, that might be a little too. Much. Yeah, it's like saying that you know what Star Trek, the original animated series. It's fitting. No, okay, it's not fine. Um, but it's regardless, got its moments. 
As um, we talked about that some episodes back, and uh, Rich Davenport, who uh, will continue to be a collaborator, uh, along with, of course, Aaron, will pop up from time to time. You'll remember her from passing the show. And then Paul Moderman, who was on with me recently. Uh, everybody, everybody is still going to play the Code 47 game. But at any rate, yeah, uh, I would say that, that Rich and I were not fans. But you know what? Uh, infinite diversity and infinite combinations is what Star Trek is all about. So if you love it, do not yuck on someone else's yum. That is uh, SFU uh, rule number one, or it's 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 definitely definitely in the top five. Um, but anyway, tertiary directive. Tertiary directive. Without further ado, we're going to jump into segment one, which uh, you know we're foregoing talking about new. We've do, we've done good not really talking about news. I would say if a news story comes up, that's that's pivotal, and if it's timely because we're biweekly, we'll work it in. But other than that, we're going to talk about. Star Trek episodes and occasionally movies. So we have, and and I was actually corrected by this because we are not going to have two programs running at once because uh, Star Trek Prodigy is going on break until January, yep. which I which I didn't know until I looked it up this evening. So shame on me. Um, but at any rate, since uh, since Paul and I were doing our Trek Sherpa thing over the last four episodes and talking about you know. Uh, two great episodes and one lousy one. Uh, we didn't really talk about we didn't really talk about new episodes. So we actually have five new episodes to talk about. Where we're going to do it kind of at a rapid pace because uh, we don't want to uh, bore you, our faithful listeners to uh, our voices too much. So without further ado, uh, we're going to kick it off. Uh, just this past week, we had the uh, first episode of uh, Discovery season four here in the United States and Canada, not for our international fans. Uh, Todd uh, Oxtra and I over on Secret Friends Unite talked a lot about international distribu- distribution rights and what a mess that was. And yeah, this is really, yeah, this is really at the center of it, but I don't want to dwell on that too much because I want to talk about Star Trek. Uh, in summary, after months spent reconnecting the Federation with distant worlds, Captain Michael Burnham and the crew of the USS Discovery are sent to assist a damaged space station a seemingly routine mission that reveals the existence of a terrifying new threat. Sounds like an episode of the of the, of the old Fox television show 24, which I've been watching recently. There was a there was a disaster. We fixed the disaster. Here's a new disaster. Um, so it's like Mr. Wh- Incredible. I was the man. Mr. Exactly. So Wizbang Pow, we're back uh, with Discovery. We've not had a Discovery season three uh, aired through. I think. February of this past year, I, I think, so, yeah, something like that. It was not that. So you know, we didn't wait too long, um, but yeah, Peter, what did you think? Um, I thought it was a decent start. Um, yeah, like the it was pretty well paced. Uh, mm-hmm. The visuals were pretty good. Um, I thought the fire on the bridge was a little weird to nitpick. <laughs> How so? Because it wasn't like a panel blew up and there was fire. Mm-hmm. It looked more Mad Max to me. Like there was a vent and fire came out <laughs> multiple times on a regular basis. It was I, just one of those. What? <laughs> I did not catch that. Yes. We packed, we packed extra fire for this mission. Yeah. Oh, it's just, it was just one of those things that I was just watching going, wait a minute. I know. But Gene. other than that. <laughs> yeah. This episode, it had a real gasp because April and I always get up. We watch this first thing on a Thursday morning because we're early risers because the, the cats need their treats and the dog needs to go outside. So we're like, we're up. We're going to watch Star Trek. Um, but this episode had a real gasper uh, of a moment because we get at the end where spoilers, pardon, uh, when you see Quajon destroyed by that by that big, you know, wave. Gravimetric and again, disturbance. 
gravimetric disturbance. You know, the, the argument can be made, the, 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 the tail's wagging, and I'm sure if Todd was here, he would say, oh boy, space anomaly. Um, but it was, you know, it was the, the, the Nexus explosion and the, tra- what, remember from Star Trek, the, what did he have? A, some kind of wacky torpedo. He fired it into a star and created a gravity oh, yes. wave. Yeah. Or you had the Hobus supernova, which destroyed Romulus, and that was in the JJ movie, and it was also part of Picard. So, I mean, are we afraid that this this episode is going to be like, oh boy, there's a friggin' space anomaly, and then I mean, is that is that going to be something that carries us through this season? Because probably based yeah. on how Discovery seasons have gone in the past, my guess is this is going to be something that runs the whole gamut of the season. Which, any any early theories as to what's going on? Um, it's quite possibly something that has to do with a rupture in the space-time continuum due to the fact that Discovery came from the past. Really? Um, Okay. Which I know is really out there, but to be perfectly honest, the explanation for the disaster in the previous season was pretty out there, too. Yeah. Yeah, they're not going with anything too non-sci-fi. Yeah, the burn and the like, what was the burn? And it was, yeah, they traced it back. To, it was a kid screaming yeah, at the same resonance frequency as Dylan. Right, which is could only friggin' happen in Star Trek. So I I can't you know, there there is there are really no solid disagreement with theories after the first episode when it's clear no, that you have I a mean, show that over thirteen to sixteen episodes is going to, you know, much like I likened it back to to twenty four, uh, the old the old show on Fox that I love with you know Jack Bauer, Keith Sutherland. There was always there was an A plot, and halfway to a to a you know a, a, a third of the way through it would be resolved. But oh, that wasn't really it. And sometimes you get that three times in a season. And you know, let's hope <laughs> it's not quite that hokey. Uh, let's hope that it it uh, you know I I was I was fairly satisfied with the with the burn and 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 kind of how that was resolved because it was it was weird and you didn't see it coming. And isn't that really in a lot of ways what you want? Kind of. I wasn't super happy with it, but that's me. <laughs> I just, I I mean, I know that that's I mean, that's the beauty of it. You can really it's any any way that you can slice it. So, anyway, uh the episode of Kobe Ashimura was the first of I'm going to say without looking 13 or 16. Uh in this episode it'll run pretty much continuously unless I'm mistaken for the next 13 to 16 weeks. And then we so. Say what? What's say? That I haven't again? heard about a break, so yeah. I mean, I was surprised enough to hear about the Prodigy break, so I'm not. I uh, that looks like it comes back in January. Um, but anyway, yes. it, maybe it's because they have a shortened season and they want to stretch it out. I don't know. I did not look into it, so shame on me. But speaking of Prodigy, we did get that release now four weeks gone by. Uh, this is an entirely uh, in a program. It's an animated program. Uh, done in uh, what I think is fairly nice, you know, kind of 3D animation. It's not it's not quite like, you know, Rebels uh, on the Star Wars side, which was a little grainy. It wasn't quite like Clone Wars before it, which was not great. I was not a fan of the animation style. This seems a little bit more down to earth, but none of the characters are human, with the exception of the ship's emergency training hologram, which we'll talk about in a minute here. So uh, at any rate, first of four episodes uh, called Lost and Found is episode number one. A group of lawless teams exiled on a mining colony outside Federation space discover a derelict Starfleet ship, which I still don't get, but we'll get into that. Dal, he's the head purple kid, uh, must gather an unlikely crew for their newfound ship if they're going to escape Tars Lamora, but the Diviner and his daughter Gwen have other plans. Dunt, dunt, can I get a dunt? Dunt. Dunt. <laughs> Peter, what, what did you think of this first episode? I actually quite liked this. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely very different. Um, I was definitely getting more um, Avatar, The Last Airbender, and some uh, Rebels vibes from it in terms of mm-hmm. structure. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I thought that like th- this first episode was pretty well structured. I thoroughly enjoyed the universal translator gag. Um, <laughs> totally. I totally. love a good universal translator gag, mm-hmm. um, especially when um, I can't remember her name. I'm already dragging right. with these character names. I remember Doll and I remember Gwen and the Diviner and Janeway and the uh, the guy who keeps referring. It's Jason Jacob Pog. I remember Jacob his Pog name because, because he, he keeps, keeps saying, saying, saying his name. He's he Bob Dole. He's Bob yeah. Dole. Yeah. He's he, he's space Bob Dole. That might be what I call this episode. We'll see. Because um, <laughs> I always I always try to draw from the episode something wacky to uh, to title it. So yeah. Um, but that was cool. But the um, the premiere uh, date, which excuse me, is three weeks gone by because the first two episodes and they're, they're you know all, yeah they're same. yeah this, they're half hour segments for twenty two minutes whatever it is because it, this does air on air on Nickelodeon, which means there would yeah. be space for commercials. But you or I, uh, you and I, I assume both watched it on Paramount Plus. I have a commercial yeah. free. Uh, so, it, oh, well, then, then, you know, I still that saw the commercials, minutes. right? But gotcha. I must say, I prefer the commercials on Prodigy than on Discovery. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, boy. Is it because it's on CBS? There's a lot of, you know, you know, boner pills and, and uh, cholesterol. Oh, I don't remember exactly. It's just the Discovery ones are all like super serious and all this stuff. And the other ones is like, eat your frosted flakes. Yeah, I can deal with that. <laughs> You're like, okay, I can do that. I like that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so during the same uh, the same broadcasting, we got uh, episode two, Starstruck, uh, even Ooh. with the guidance of their hologram advisor, Catherine Janeway, because at the end of the first episode, uh, they find the protostar, this, this perfectly preserved ship, somehow crashed on this mining planet deep yeah. enough in the Delta Quadrant, because again, one of the alien species that was recognizable was the Kazon. And I always like to point... Yeah, uh, was... let, me, let me let me, let me make sure that... Let me just... <laughs> I gotta go back here. I always like to point, and I, I wish I could zoom, but this is the map of... This is the Alpha and the Beta Quadrant. Over here... Hold on, let me keep... T- oh, right right where my den light hits. Uh, nice. you, you see the Milky Way galaxy. Okay, if the Federation is here, Voyager landed here... Back in mm-hmm. 2371, first season of that show, which is, and only for about a year or so, were they in contact with Kazon. So uh, that means Protostar is probably at a minimum 60,000 miles away from Federation. 60,000 miles, 60,000 light years away from Federation space, which is a lot. Um So I, it's interesting. Why is the ship there? Why is there a Janeway on it? Yeah, uh, I the, just, I just the thing don't that kept know. Going through my head when they were showing the ship was, um, if you've ever seen uh, Hunt for Red October, there's a point where the senator looks at the Russian ambassador and goes, "You lost another submarine." That's the only thing that went through my head when I saw the protostar sitting there was, "You lost a starship." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, how exactly. did they do that? Right? Yeah, did did it, did it conveniently fall into a wormhole, uh, land perfectly intact? And the Janeway hologram was part of it. And you got to you got to remember that chronologically, they've told us that this is about five years after Voyager gets home. So in that time, they took Janeway, modeled her as a hologram, wearing her old uniform. Because again, when they got home, they weren't wearing those uniforms anymore. I know I'm nitpicking the hell out of it, but that's what I do. Uh, and I know I know we're really in the weeds here. So I'm waiting for I'm waiting for some clarification. So anyway, I'm sorry. Back into talking about Star Trek, uh, the crew of the USS Protostar is tested when their ship. Uh, is on a dangerous cosmic collision course. So, 
Mm-hmm. We kind of segue into what I finally call a filler episode <laughs> where they're like, oh, my God, Space Anomaly. Uh, okay, it's all set. Missable, yep. but I in mean, some ways, it's a kid's show. So yeah. It also did set- what, yeah. you know, what good kid shows do and allow for characters to bump up against each other and do stuff while there's nothing dangerous going on. True, At least true. extremely plot-relevant danger. Well, I was going to say dangerous to the fact that, you know, the ship was going to get crushed by, a, you know, interstellar yeah, I mean, whatever. But yeah, yeah. Star and, you know, burn up. But you know. I, I get that. I get that. So anyway, uh, moving along, uh, we get a two-part episode. This this one I really enjoyed, but it, it absolutely dug into some great Trek lore from um, – there was an episode of Enterprise that was very similar to that where, you know, they were on an episode and, and there was a, an alien race using, you know, simulating the pleasure centers of their, of, of their brain and, and making the crew see things. But most notably, um, the uh, short leave episode of the original series, which we missed talking about because it was in season one and we're going to talk about season two of TOS here in a minute. Um, but the episode is called Dreamcatcher, fairly aptly named in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, the crew has their first away mission on an undiscovered planet that manifests their deepest desires only to realize the planet has desires of its own. So, mm, 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 mm. so yeah, we get, we get a series of, you know, here's my greatest dream realized. Uh, you know, I think it was, and again, we're not doing great remembering the names of these new characters, which is bad, but the, the bring car character, the pink Rocky one, yeah. uh, you know, sees cute little puppies and is oh, going to chase the puppies, whatever it is. And then, you know, it becomes a little bit more and more dangerous because it's kind of reminds you of the episode, the later season episode of Voyager where they get stuck inside the critter that's making all the crew think that, Hey, we're getting home. We just have to do this thing or that thing. And then and the, it's really, they're all passed out and they're hallucinating. Yeah. Um, so this was kind of like that because it was the overall uh, idea that it wanted to absorb their life force because that's just what it does. But it mm-hmm. also gives um, it also gives Gwen a chance to escape the brig where she's been for the past two episodes, uh, and to um, and to hijack the ship, which doesn't end up working out because she manages to kind of crash it and kind of also get thrown off of it at the same time. So now they're marooned. The ship is who knows where, um, and that's how we end up in the next episode. Mm-hmm. So yeah, ter- ter- terror, uh, terror, arr, firma is the uh, episode four or four. Uh, marooned on a deadly planet, the crew must work towards uh, work together with their captive Gwen to stay alive. Except the planet isn't the only thing in pursuit. Peter, yes. what does that mean? Who's pursuing them? Well, we finally get an actual confrontation between our intrepid crew and the diviner. Uh, so Gwen's dad actually shows up. And the interesting thing is that they uh, they 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 throw in the dynamic where I was wondering if they were going to do this, where they finally pit Gwen and the Diviner head to head, and there's a rupture, um, right? Where he picks the starship over her, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, excellent storytelling bit there, uh, right? Because totally. it keeps her on the ship, it gives her motivation, and it, it was a good character development moment. Uh, we got to see a little bit more from her, and we got to see what motivates the Diviner, which, I mean, we kind of guessed from the first couple episodes, but this kind of put it into sharp relief right? what he was. And we got to finally see the, the kids all working right. together. Like, they finally learned the lesson of the previous episode. <laughs> you know? Right. The D&D yeah. adage, don't split the party. Right. <laughs> don't exactly. split the away team. Keep it going. Make it work. 
Exactly. So good stuff. Shows the, the shows off uh, to a good clip. But the, yeah, this episode ended with them like activating the ship and a third engine pops out the back oh, and then it goes into super warp drive and where are they going? And again, we've been teased for the fact that this show is going to uh, give us returning characters such as Robert Beltran as Captain Chicote. Chicote. Oh, I can't wait for that. And then two new crew members voiced by, uh, I think, uh, uh, David David and uh, by, um, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank, but she was on The Good Place. We talked about this quite some time back. But anyway, really notable voice actors. Um, yeah, yeah, very, very exciting stuff. So yeah, looking forward to that. So that we're getting a little break for that, uh, but then it will return. So yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, that brings us to the close of segment one, um, and then we're going to shoot on into segment two. Peter named this segment, as we teased a little bit earlier, it's been a long road earlier in the show, uh, earlier in the, in the show, in the you know 59 episodes that we've been doing uh, Code 47, which is a little over a year, uh, it became the mission of me personally, and uh, you know it, it kind of came and went, um, but with Peter's suggestion, it kind of came back, that I wanted to during the course of doing the show, however long it is, to the very best of my ability, I wanted to find a way to touch every single episode of Star Trek and every movie, maybe skipping the JJ movies, just kind of push them to the side. Um, but I definitely no, wanted to. Okay. Ah, we, we, we're not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> so, but we are going to talk about, um, uh, you know, all the episodes of the show. I would absolutely super interested uh, in doing this. So where we left off, we got all the way through the first seasons of every show, including Picard. Um, and, and it brings us back around again to Star Trek, uh, the original series. Uh, this is um, season two. Uh, and we, I decided to split it into four parts because I thought it would help us kind of keep uh, you know, as opposed to talking about 12 or 13 episodes in a single fell, because these old seasons had 26 or 30 episodes, uh, that we'd break into something a little bit more bite-sized. So we're going to be addressing six, maybe seven, maybe eight episodes uh, kind of at a time. Um, and so we're going to kick it off with season two of the original series. Uh, episode one, which aired uh, in September of 1967, was A Mock Time. Uh, Peter, if you would be so kind to read the summary. All right. When Mr. Spock begins behaving aggressively, Kirk discovers his first officer must return home to Vulcan to be married or die. Kirk disobeys his orders from Starfleet Command to visit Altair 6 and decides to save Spock. Spock, Kirk, and McCoy land on Vulcan, on Vulcan, where Spock takes them to his family land to begin Ponfar. They meet T'Pau and T'Pring, only to find that T'Pring wants a duel and chooses Kirk as challenger. Kirk accepts the challenge, thinking to let Spock win, but is later told by T'Pau that it is a challenge to the death. During the fight, McCoy gives a neurotranquilizer to, to fake Kirk's death. Upon victory, Spock asks T'Pring to explain her decision and decides to not marry her. After beaming back to the Enterprise, Spock is overjoyed to see Kirk alive. Awesome. Yes, he has the quite to the reaction. Jim! Uh, yes. Good stuff. Yeah, this was this was a great uh, episode. Obviously, it coined the famous dun 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 dun. Boom 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 boom. Sorry, yep. I, I I like to sing in all my shows, and I I couldn't hey, pass that. Classic one TOS music is very much so. Well, this also gave us the classic uh, TOS, and I think you saw it throughout the rest of the series. The classic bass riff, dum dum dum. Dum 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 dum. 
yeah, God, this was great. The fight between the two of them. Um, you're getting, uh, obviously, the knowledge of the Ponfar, which continues to uh, yep. play out not only for the character of Spock, but you see it uh, with the Vulcan characters in Star Trek Voyager, both in Ensign Boric and then again with Tuvok. Because uh, even at his age, I mean, I guess I guess there is no male menopause with the Vulcans. They just keep they having... They never really address it. Yeah, so I mean, you, I don't know. You don't, I mean, you don't see that happening with like Sarek, for example, because he was he was over two hundred years old when he passed away, uh, and he had he had a he had a first human wife that was Amanda Spock's mother. Uh, he married a woman named Perrin. You don't know how long they were married, but yeah. if they ever had children, it never came up. Um, so you don't know. Yeah, you don't know if they hit like oh, one hundred and fifty. They stopped. You got to take you know Vulcan Viagra or something to keep things going. <laughs> I have no idea. Vulcan Viagra just found the name of the episode. Winning. Uh, speaking of speaking of things that don't need that don't need Viagra, that would be an episode two, Big Green Hand, uh, or <laughs> Warns for Adonis. Uh, I'll, I'll read the summary here. The Enterprise is held captive within an energy field which is controlled by an alien who claims to be the Greek god Apollo. Apollo commands Kirk to meet him on the planet's surface. Bones, Chekhov, Scotty, and Lieutenant Super Hot Carol Palamis. Interesting. Uh, accompany Kirk. Uh, Apollo demands the crew to worship him as a god at his temple, which obviously that's going to go great. Uh, captivating Carolyn, not big surprising, and attacking Scotty when he disobeyed. Doesn't he die like two or three times this episode? He dies at least once. Yeah. Dead and back again. Uh, Spock finds a way through the energy field, no big surprise, uh, and helps Kirk in taking down the temple that is the power, G- power source for the energy field. Woo, there's a lot going on here. Yes. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is a little bit more kind of silly, but in a way kind of like, well, that's where the Greek gods came from. They were from this planet, and they were really just uh, critters. And I'm, I'm trying to remember that was... He had an extra organ in his body yep. that an organ that could convert worship yes, exactly. into energy. Exactly. So, so that is how yeah. the Greek gods were able to subjugate human beings uh, in in a time in, in the time before. So that was cool. There's another great episode. I think it's either later in season two or maybe in season three. The Requiem for Methuselah, which you find yep, out that's that, also a good there, one. Yeah, an ancient character, uh, an ancient uh, being named Flint. Uh, living on a planet that you found out that he was really he was Beethoven he was he was Methuselah he was Picasso he was all these different things uh, because he was very long lived so I love that kind of sci fi ish kind of take uh, mm-hmm. on this so I enjoyed this episode but again you know Carol Pollock was funny I picked up just yesterday this book Star Trek costumes which was recently published that my wife really wanted but it's I was at a, I was at a toy show and it was a sixty dollar book I got for twenty five bucks so I was pretty happy um, but the back cover it is just Carol Palamas in that outfit and it's just like yeah. It's all over for me. Oh, (laughs) all right. About this episode, please. Um, It shows up later. If you've ever seen X-Men Apocalypse as the, uh, the thing about the new X-Men movies is they use old school Star Trek to give you a teaser of what the main plot's about. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you see this in the background. And so the, it's in the first five minutes and you're like, Oh, that's what this movie's about. <laughs> right. Uh, it follows the plot of this episode. Oh my so. goodness. Yeah, exactly. There was uh we, we uh, went to go see a movie last night and it was called uh, Belfast. Uh, and it was, it was kind of the uh, stylized uh, childhood of, of actor director of the film, Kenneth Branner uh, and growing up in Belfast in the, in 1969. And they were watching an episode of the original Star Trek. So I'm like, Oh, it's so perfect. I love it. 
Good stuff. Yes, I love seeing I love seeing Star Trek pop up in 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 other in other geek media. I love it. So, all right, episode three is the Changeling. Peter, this one's all you. The crew of the Enterprise deals with Nomad, an indestructible planet-destroying space probe that thinks Kirk is its creator. The space probe is beamed up, and after completing the analysis, Mister Spock reveals that its real creator is Jackson Roy Kirk, a scientist from the twentieth century. Spock enters the mind of Nomad and finds out the space probe was destroyed when another alien probe somehow united with Nomad, deleting the original memory banks and giving the new machine a new objective, sterilize all units which are imperfect. When Nomad takes control of the Enterprise, Kirk tells Nomad the truth, making it realize that Nomad itself is flawed and it must destroy itself. Star Trek mm. picture is in part an expansion of this episode. Ooh, Gee, I, I like it. I guess maybe it was because of all the scripts they wrote for the super quickly canceled Star Trek phase two. They had to do something with them. Some of those Absolutely. scripts actually for that show. And if you're not familiar with uh, the mm-hmm. theory, Star Trek was going to be revived in 1978 uh, yeah. and they got right down to the wire and they said, uh, Oh, Star Wars came out. Screw this. Let's make a movie. Yeah. And so there were there, the screen tests online. They're absolutely. Crappy, and they're there. They're crappy and they're all wearing the original uniforms, which to me, I've never liked the TOS uniforms. I'm going to go on record as saying absolute least favorite. I would even wear, and I own two, Peter, you know this because you've seen me in them, two um, uniforms from Star Trek The Motion Picture because I think they have more style than the stupid like, oh, it's a green shirt. I just, I'm not a fan. Sorry. Uh, I mean, aside from TNG season one, these ones are the closest to space pajamas you're going to (laughs) get. It's very true, which they literally make. Uh, pajamas themed after these uniforms that look almost identical. Yeah, it's hard to tell. You could. It's probably, not a good thing. Uh, you, it wouldn't get. It wouldn't pass muster at a Starfleet thing. But if right. you went to like Comic Con and you walked around, at, no one would bl- bad an eye. They'd be like, if, oh, look, if, if you Starfleet. were if you're a quote unquote a civvy, yeah, don't show up to that shit at my booth. That just uh, that that will not. Peter knows that I'm just. I'm a, I'm a little firm about costuming when you're Phaser representing set to our. Stun. <laughs> yes, exactly. Make sure your pips aren't shiny. Don't bring that shit around here. Um, but anyway, it was it was a fun episode. And again, kind of like, here's this weird thing from the past that actually turned out to be deadly or whatever. And Scott um, died again. And Scott, oh my God, two episodes in a row? Yep. I want to you see, it's funny because they say, oh, the red shirts are the ones that die. Scotty dies, but he comes back. Also, Uhura, who also wears a red outfit, nearly dies because she gets her memory she erased. Her memory so, erased. You know, who the hell would ever wear a red shirt? I also get super annoyed anytime uh, I get somebody who approaches me and makes a red shirt joke when I'm wearing a an obvious TNG outfit. I'm like, get the fuck out of my face. I always turn <laughs> and look at him and be like, no, this era is equal opportunity offender. <laughs> right, exactly. You see plenty of you see you see plenty of red shirt deaths even in uh, even in TNG. So let's let's keep okay. it fair. So, all right, next episode, again, we're on episode four of six that we're going to talk about tonight is Mirror, Mirror, and oh my God, this is the episode that launched uh, a thousand um, in-universe spinoffs. A transporter mishap slips Captain Kirk and his companions into a parallel universe where the Enterprise serves a barbaric empire instead of the Federation. Kirk, Bones, Scotty, and Uhura try to look normal while figuring out how to get back to their universe where the crew of the Empire beamed. In this universe, Mr. Sulu tried to kill uh, Mr. Sulu tried to kill Captain Kirk to succeed as captain of the Empire, but fails and was sent to the booth that was actually Sulu. Whoops, bad. 
right up. Uh, Wait, Spock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, who the hell wrote this? Uh, thanks. I mean, Chekhov was in the booth, but. Yeah, check out. Yeah, Sulu didn't try to kill at the end, but yeah. yeah. Uh, Sp- Spock, Spock on Spock on Empire. This is a mess. Uh, Spock on the, from the Empire receives a command from Starfleet base. Was this written by an AI bot? Well, this is a mess. Um, but anyway, all right. I'm throw, I'm tossing this out. I'm yeah, just, just going check for that it. one. I'm, I'm going for it. So basically, what happens? I mean, you caught the first part. Um, Spock is captain with the goatee, which is a famous lay motif that's been spoofed all over the place, uh, and. Um, what basically happens is, you know, they, they our our four crew members uh, engineer an escape. Scotty kept ke- or uh, Spock catches the, you know, Mirror Spock catches them at the last moment, but still lets them go. But the seed is planted uh, as to um, seeds of rebellion. Exactly, the fact that your empire is illogical. Um, this episode spun off several plot lines: Deep Space Nine, Enterprise, and most recently, season one of Dis- actually season one, two, and three of Discovery, because we had the uh, Empress uh, Giorgio, uh, Michelle Yeoh's character, that that uh, went on until that time, uh, and she departed that show for parts unknown, so she might show up again. So I would say the the mirror universe. Um, this episode in particular probably uh, spun off one of the most, you know, concurrent themes that you see time and again across everything because it did touch it touched uh, every show except Voyager and TNG. Yeah. Every other show had had a component of something mirror related. So yeah. I love it. And, and again, in doing this rewatch, I didn't I didn't even watch this one again because I'd seen it so damn many times. But I probably oh, I should I have. Yeah, I probably should have proofread this summary, which is garbage. Yuck. Yeah. Um, so I did, however, rewatch uh, this next one because I hadn't seen it in a while. So, Peter, this one's all you. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, the Apple. Uh, the crew of the Enterprise visits a mysterious and deadly paradise planet, of which there are many, where they discover it is controlled by a machine called Val. The crew, which includes Kirk, Spock, Bones, and Sulu, and a unnamed female crewman, are enchanted by the planet, but encounter a strange flower that kills two members of the landing party. Whoops. Mis- Wait. Yes. Okay. Are, are, are you right? I was, I was just you- like, wait a minute. Is this? It's the right one. A mysterious bolt of lightning hurts Spock and disrupts the transporter room of the Enterprise. The landing crew finds a group of men and women who are controlled by Vol. Vol restricts their knowledge of human interactions, such as sexual intercourse, and has the island inhabitants feed it the explosive mineral found on the island in order to fuel itself. Vol orders the inhabitants to kill the landing party by morning when it becomes clear that they represent a threat to the island inhabitants' current way of life. Scotty finds a way to route the power, route all of the power to the ship's phasers while Kirk and the page ends. Bones prevent Vol from being fed <laughs> any more explosive min- min- minerals. Uh, Vol loses strength as a result and becomes vulnerable which allows the Enterprise to fire Phasers killing Vol and freeing the inhabitants. Uh, this one is not <laughs> one of my favorites. Not exactly at the top of Peter's early season two list, huh? What uh, What didn't you like about it? Um, part of it, I think, is this one I hadn't watched all the way through, and I've seen enough evil computer controls planets that this was just another one of those and an evil computer is controlling the planet. Right. I mean, um, we, we'd already had the return of the Archons in season one, you know. Exactly. The, Landru, uh, which and we Landru got a great... way more interesting. Very true, because Vol doesn't do anything. No, it's anything. just like, it, oh, it we don't know anything. Uh, yeah, it's like it controls them, but it doesn't do 
No. It doesn't it, and, it doesn't have any kind of intelligence. And then it does it's like, not like it's like Vol wants Vol yeah. angry. It doesn't do anything. No, so just it's like feed me. Yeah, exactly. It's, it. it's 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 Audrey too from Little Shop of Horrors, but it's not yeah. it's not doing anything, so who cares? No. I mean, um, it can, so yeah. it can like pew and that's that it can shoot pew, lasers pew, from pew. Its eyes and hurt red shirts and that's right. You know, it and does. it's it's a planet that otherwise is like well, it's got poison darts and uh, you know, it's just basically kind of a crappy planet. So it's like, yeah. why didn't we just like, oh, we're doing a survey. Oh, people are dying. Let's get the hell out of here. Yeah. But and then it no does fall. Like, and then the episode does like, like one of my least favorite things when Star Trek does it is like, let's sit around awkwardly and talk about sex. Great. <laughs> well, yes. When the bee pollinates the flower, awkwardly talk about sex. We just yeah, let, got to like name of the episode. dodge around the question. Have people swallow nervously and Kirk go, hey, Spock, how about you explain it? And Spock goes, hmm. It's like. Okay. <laughs> like, oh my god! That's just one of the things that it, it and it happens in like all of the shows. Mm-hmm. I just don't care for it. I I I I'm not disagreeing with you there, my friend. I'm not. So yeah, it's uh it's it's passable. Uh, no, it's not passable because again, it doesn't really have any great social commentary, and again, it plays on a theme. Um, right up there with with one of my favorite things Captain Kirk does when he outsmarts and or talks a computer to death. Mm-hmm. That I like, but it, like when he talks the M5 to death in uh, the, uh, not the Doomsday Machine, which is the next episode, but the uh, the Ultimate Computer, which was, I think it's still coming up this season, so I think we're going to be talking that. Yeah, I think in, it is. That, I love that episode, but again, I don't want to get too far, far ahead of myself, but yeah. uh, episode six uh, is the Doomsday Machine. Now, this is October of 1967, so we're still uh, in the second year of the program um, that it's been on the air, but... Um, yeah, after losing the entire crew to a planet-eating alien machine from another galaxy, I run into those all the time, quite frankly. Commodore, this is one of the first Commodore characters that we really get to mess with. So somebody who outranks Kirk, but he's not a snooty admiral, which we get a lot of in TNG. That's like oh, yes. a real staple in TNG. Yeah, the, like, the term that I've heard used is badmiral, which I kind of badmiral. Like, <laughs> they're all I annoying. <laughs> I do well. Yeah, you don't really run into a great admiral at all I'm anywhere. I mean, I mean, there's some that are okay, but you a lot have, of them are kind of yeah. jerks. Well, you have Kirk, of course, who's an admiral in the yeah. films, but he's still Kirk, you know, so he's a character that we ostensibly already like. Yeah. But, the admiral uh, in uh, Best of Both Worlds, whose name is escaping me. Admiral Hansen. He yes. is good. He is good. And he, yeah, and he and he dies for it. But yeah, you, um, uh, we get a handful of admirals in um, Voyager, which are not great. Uh, uh, just a handful again. And then we have... Uh, Anthony Zerb's character, uh, who's the admiral in Star Trek Insurrection, whose name Admiral Doherty, Doherty real, yeah. real bad Doherty's, guy. He is, <laughs> you know, and and he gets, you know, he get, and he gets it too. He's real, real sneaky. You know what? Yeah. But, um, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. So he he outranks Kirk, and he's he doesn't have a problem throwing his weight around either. So yeah, Commodore Matt Decker pulls rank on Kirk in order to play a game of cat and mouse with the mechanical adversary. His efforts to destroy the menace. Place the Enterprise in grave danger. This episode serves as the backstory for the Star Trek 25th anniversary Game Boy game, which and in fact Starfleet Command on PC. Oh, there you go. Look at that. It's a twofer. Very good. I love this episode. This was one of one of several that really benefited from um, re, oh, yeah. re, recomposited effects in 2006 uh, for the 40th anniversary of the series. So what they mm-hmm. did at that time. And I have, as Peter knows, I have all of the discs of all of the series, uh, only of which, very sadly, uh, Star Trek, the original series, and TNG are in 
high definition that, that are on Blu-ray disc. Um, when you pop one of the TN, uh, TOS discs into a player, which Peter and I did when we were recently at Grand Rapids Comic Con working our booth, uh, it does give you an option um, when it brings up the menu on, on one of these original series discs to play either the 2006 version or the original version from back in the day. I have never looked back. I don't want to see those disgusting old episodes. I don't want to see that poorly composited every other planet is green or deep red or something. I love the modern aesthetic, you know, because it still maintains the integrity of the action uh, and it, it yeah. maintains the integrity of the story, um, but it and makes it it makes it you know so that you can stomach it for a modern audience because I can't look at super fuzzy Enterprise with super fuzzy planet and twinkling stars. So this really does a great job. Yeah. And again, the Doomsday Machine is this like big, long, like like Cigar it looks like a. Yeah, it's a, like a conch shell in space where the front of it is just escaping mauve, blinking energy, and it fires a, a basically an energy beam that can destroy an entire planet. Uh, it yeah. encrippled uh, the Constellation, uh, which is another another Constitution-class ship. So it's the same as the Enterprise, but really in the original series, uh, the original episode, it was composited to be all kind of jankied up and stuff. It was actually uh, a uh, AMC kit that they right, could exactly. store. It was with, safe which, budget. Yeah, which they didn't have to do much with. But again, in 06, when they remade the episode, they did it great in 01 when the cell was all jank and big old chunk of the hole was missing. And like, it really worked. So yeah, it was Kirk's mission to get this thing running uh, and then to turn around and and, and mount an attack. Uh, In the end of it, uh, Decker sacrifices himself. Um, And even though it is strongly intimated but never directly spoken... uh, Will uh, Matt Decker has a son, Willard Decker, who is the captain of the Enterprise at the beginning of Star Trek, the motion picture. Again, it's never been directly stated, but it's widely thought to be the case. Who also sacrifices himself for the sake of a mission. So quite frankly, the machine. Deckers, the deck, yeah, to a machine, the, the Deckers, they really aren't so bad, even though Matt Decker, kind of a dickhead, uh, likes to throw his weight around. But in the end, you know, did did the right thing uh, to save lives. from PTSD and eventually figures it out. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you know, with uh, you know, and again, yeah, I find I find Will Decker to be a lot more uh, heroic from the jump. But regardless, um, so anyway, so that's it. That is the first. I'm going to call it almost quarter of season two. Um, about, and again, yeah. uh, you know, I would call Star Trek uh, is a is a show that kept on failing upwards until it finally failed downwards because it's a show that got canceled three times. They tried to get rid of it at the end of the first season and the second season. And then finally they made it stick. It's like, uh, you know, it's like uh, dating a girl and breaking up. Uh, It's, it's also like uh, going to the milk, uh, going to the refrigerator, taking out a gallon of sour milk, taking a big chug of it and wondering why it tastes bad. But no, that wasn't, (laughs) that wasn't the case with Star Trek until you got to season three, but we're not there yet. Yeah. Um, So yeah. It's, yes, exactly correct. So that is our show uh, for this bi-weekly period. So, um, Peter, you, as my second chair, have the honor of reading our outro. So please engage. For more information about Starfleet International, please visit Grand Petoskey and or Region 13 on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Friends, as always, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you, as always, that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking. Peace and long life. Code 47 is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for our great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, 
or the podcast platform of your choice. If you would like to be part of the conversation, visit our new Discord server or join us on Facebook or follow us at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends on YouTube and don't forget to visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.